Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate, but not with 80 Acres Farms? Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled, going from farm to store in days, not weeks. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's no need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Welcome in to Sharp Money here on VSIN. Happy to be with you. Almost at the midway point of July. I'm Jeff Parles. Amal Shaw's here. Wyatt Tomchek is here as well. See, Tom Check already he was so stunned that I mentioned him, and he actually gave me a glare. Look I at that. Thank you were going to mention me. So yeah, you, how you doing, Jeff? I haven't seen you in all, I, minutes, in all five minutes. Yes, yeah. see, I'm doing well. I'm, all, I'm all here as well, as always. Absolutely. You, you doing all right today? Doing great. Ready to go. Three hours until we can get to the weekend. <laughs> So, Amal, let's let's start off here. Uh, we'll go into a full breakdown in the next segment. Uh, we're starting to get pricing on the the final we all wanted in on the men's side in Wimbledon. Uh, Djokovic straight sets over Sinner earlier today, uh, six three six four seven six, and then Alcaraz uh, beating Medvedev three three and three earlier today. So uh, we do have those odds now. Djokovic a minus one eighty favored. Alcaraz plus 150 on the men's final on Sunday. We'll get into the full breakdown in the next segment, but there's no reason for me to back off what I said yesterday of until proven otherwise, especially on this service surface, it is Djokovic until further notice. Great price. Love Novak. That's it. See you Sunday over and four over and four over and four. Okay. Done. Done. And you're you're giving Alcaraz a set. Yeah, I figure I'll be nice. <laughs> wow, wow! Look at look at look at you, altruistic today, Amal. That's that, that's pretty good. Um, and then on the uh, the ladies' side, we talked about it yesterday again. Uh, Jabor and Vondrasova. Uh, Jabor is a minus two ten favorite over at DraftKings. Amal, you're a big college football guy. Yeah, I'd say so. So Tennessee today, the, the big Jeremy Pruitt fiasco. All those stuff, all that came out today. So Tennessee had 200 violations. That's not bad. Uh, they get fined $8 million. Woo. Reduction of 28 scholarships. But most importantly, no bowl ban for the Tennessee Volunteers. Well, they're doing it right on Rocky Top. Maybe they can actually win something that means something outside of 1999. <laughs> I, lo- I love these programs, fan bases, who think they're way more important than they are. And, you know... Tennessee is a perfect example of the type of program when you go to an SEC bowl game or a road game, they chant SEC. I'm like, no, it's Bama and Georgia, okay? Don't worry about it just because you're in the conference. They they do that when they beat Iowa. Yeah, it's exactly right. It's exactly right. You know, I'm glad we brought this up because it's a little feature for next week. I want to ask you, where would you rank or would you say Tennessee is the top 10 most overrated college football programs right now? Uh, No, I wouldn't say that. Nebraska's one still. Well, hold on. It depends on how you quantify it, right? I mean, which, when you say overrated, give me an example of what you mean. I, I tell you, the answer is still the same for me. For what their current, so what their current standing in the world is based off the perception of what the program is. I would still say Notre Dame. Yeah, but Notre Dame at least made, has, has been relevant, though. Yeah, Maul. but they, here's the problem. Uh, 
People think, and you probably weren't even born the last time you weren't. I was not, no. Yeah, last time Notre Dame won a national championship. I and mean, when you start going on decades, by the way, Wyatt, I promise you this is not a shot at you. Wyatt's a Michigan fan. I was alive when they won that yeah, half a I, national, no, national Yeah, the half a national title, by the way. They split, remember? Uh, anyway, with <laughs> Nebraska. So last time Michigan won a whole national title without having to share it with anyone else, 1947. I mean, listen, when your programs are going decades without winning, that's a problem. I, I think they're overrated Notre Dame. They just get so much hype. And by the way, if I hear another fool on ESPN say, oh, college football is better when Notre Dame does what? Why? Because your ratings are better? Who gives a damn? I don't care if it's Wake Forest playing UConn in the national title. I'm watching. What happened that Wake Forest and UConn would play in a national title game unless if it was the video game world where anything is possible? Did anyone think in 1999 a small school from Storrs, Connecticut, led by Jim Calhoun, could take on Big Bad Duke no, and but their that's six pros? That's I understand that my point though. being is, though, listen, <laughs> uh, listen, TCU, a small private school in Fort Worth, Texas, came within 60 minutes in an absolute beatdown of a national championship. I thought you were going to say they came within 60 points. <laughs> That would have worked, too. That would have been worse. I don't know. Were they in within 60? What was the final? They they did get a touchdown. I think it was 56, right? Yeah, it was like 58. They tied it up at one point. It was tied, right? Yeah, it was 7-7. Yes, and then it was a a 58-0 run to end the game for Georgia. It reminds me of the Big 12 title game in 05. Uh, Colorado led Texas 3-0. The final score was 70-3. Oh, that was the Vince Young year, right? That's a Vince Young year, yeah. Oh, man. I had forgotten that Colorado, Colorado was in multiple Big 12 championship games. Totally forgot about that. Gary, Gary uh, Barnett had a pretty good program. New Heisel in 97 had him ranked number one in the country. Uh, we'll see where Dion and company wind up going, but I think the Pac-12 the Pac is going to be wide open if it stays as a conference after losing USC and UCLA next year. Well, the, again, we with the Pac-12, and, and I know we've gone off course here, but th- this is okay. The Pac-12 with UCLA and USC obviously going to the Big Ten next year. Yeah. So it'll go back to the Pac-10. It'll go for the Pac-12 back to the Pac-10, assuming there's no additions. Remember, San Diego State. What exactly happened with San Diego State in the Mountain West? This, this where they a, declared that they were going to leave, but they're not leaving, and now the Mountain West is claiming they left. Th- that is a very interesting story because they gave like their resignation letter. Yeah. And yeah. then the Mountain West commissioner, she's like standing really gung ho, and it's like, no, you guys left. You're gonna have to pay the fee. Or, or I love it. Absolutely, it's good. Good move on her part. Uh, by the way, Jeff, I want to correct one thing you said. Yes, go ahead. Um, you said oh, we've gotten off track. Let me tell you something. We're talking college football. We are never, ever, ever off track. <laughs> We can talk college football for the next three hours if you want. I know why it will be mad because he put a nice rundown together. But I knew, I knew you were gonna. I knew you were gonna say something like that. Look, that's look, what Maul, said, you, that's why I said it the way I did. You, you can go as wherever you want to go today. It's Friday. Oh, that's well, the dangerous, know, dangerous no, no, game. Part there. of the problem is we're going to talk about the Buffalo Bills today, and I don't know where why it comes out on the Bills, but I know you and I are not exactly uh, buyers on the Buffalo Bills as much as other people might be. We'll get that later in the show, but yes, that is. Uh, I, I think that was more catered. Because I know Wyatt and I have had plenty of conversations on my thoughts on the Bills. So uh, we'll, we'll get that a little later. But, you know, it, going back to my, my Pac-12 thing, Amal, yeah. where I know, that, look, we, we see the Big 12 now expanded. Obviously, mm-hmm. this year they're 14. They'll be back to 12 uh, when Oklahoma and Texas leave for the SEC, pushing the SEC to 16. I still don't understand we're especially in a television contract that has been a disaster for the Pac-12 trying to figure out where their rights are going to go. I still don't get why the Big 12 hasn't called, and it, it, it probably has happened behind closed doors, but I'm a little surprised that Arizona and Arizona State have not picked up and left and gone to the Big 12 already. I'm surprised that that has not happened. You know, that's a good point. Uh, I think Arizona State would make sense because you get the Phoenix market for people that are unaware now. The Phoenix metro area is the fifth Huge. largest in the country. Uh, and I don't know where the TV market ranks right now, but it will eventually uh, elevate. Uh, but Tucson and University of Arizona is a great basketball school. It would make sense in the Big 12. Um, but overall, I don't think the football adds enough value. I'll tell you the two programs would be really concerned about this realignment. And, no, and nobody cares about them, so that's why nobody's talking about Oregon State and Washington State. Of course. You talk about two programs that are going to be absolutely left out in the cold. It's going to be a real challenge here in terms of where they wind up. Oregon is fortunate enough to even be in conversations only because of what Phil Knight and they have been able to build over the last couple of decades, but they would have been left out. I thought Washington was going to be a program that potentially wound up in the Big Ten, but for some reason they chose not to go. Or maybe they weren't invited. I don't know. Well, you know, again, when, when I, I this kind of 
turning into a different conversation, but I'm good having it here because it's July 14th. I and appreciate we'll, we'll that. Get, we'll, you, get, we'll get we'll get the we'll get the we'll get the baseball talk for the second half later, and we'll get the NFL talk as well. But I'm all just just looking at the way that everything is busted up here. You do expect Oregon and Washington to end up in the Big Ten. You do expect Stanford to at least be invited to the Big Ten because the academics fit. Right, correct. The question then is left of, you mentioned Oregon State and Wazoo, who could very easily get left out in the cold. Mm-hmm. What happens to Cal? Where well, Cal is basically, look at their men's basketball program. It's a joke at this point. Um, their football program is only relevant because Justin Wilcox can really coach. Whoa, 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 whoa. Let me amend your statement. Justin Wilcox can coach defense, allegedly. How Justin Wilcox has a job going 30 and 36 there at Cal is amazing but, to but, me. But I, I'll disagree with you on that. Look at how the rest of that, that athletic program is basically getting thrown away right now. Yeah, but let me ask you this question. Cal has the same academic requirements as the University of California, Los Angeles, UCLA. And Cal, the last three years, has gone one and three, five and seven, four and eight. They've never had more than four wins in conference play with Justin Wilcox at the helm. Their best record in conference. I'm going to give you a quick rundown of in his six seasons, two and seven, four and five, four and five, one and three, four and five, two and seven in conference play. Cal's football program is bad. It's been bad for a long time. And the reality of it is that's what's kind of hindered them. They would have been actually an ideal fit, right? Because you get UCLA, you get USC. You could have taken Stanford and Cal. Stanford that would have been a Cal. perfect fit to get those four as a quadrant into the Big Ten. And now Cal, because they've been so anemic, Basketball, as you alluded to, you get the right coach in there, you can upgrade the program very quickly. But the the football program, they are miles behind well, everyone the, else. The standards again, Mall, are closer to what Northwestern is right now, because oh, they. Oh, I, hold on, I'm sorry, Jeff. Why is UCLA good, but Cal is not? Why? Because UCLA has put more money into their actual athletic athletics. I mean, again, remember UCLA going to the Big Twelve. Despite the fact that the California educational system doesn't want them moving. No, want I, them yeah, moving. the University of California Board of Regents, yeah, yeah, they were trying to object to it. UCLA obviously went out on their own. They're doing it and good for them. But my, my point is they are both working under the same premise. Economically, academically, they should be able to get this program to a greater level if they want to be able to compete. I, I think one of the things is, look, you look at schools like Nebraska. They used to recruit California well. Uh, they had the Peters brothers from your home state of New Jersey. Mm-hmm. They had Tommy uh, Frazier from um, Florida. They went nationally. They're no longer that brand. I think some of these smaller schools won't be able to necessarily get to that level. But I think big state schools, they have no excuse between the alumni base in terms of NIL. NIL is allowed programs that are not Ohio State, that are not Michigan, to come in and be competitive now. If you have some big money donors that want to be like Phil Knight, Phil Knight is Oregon. It's not the other way around. And let me tell you, without him, they're not even a competitive program. Well, and then look, at some point, Miami will get their act together. Because all the NLI, NLI money down there has already been floating around. But look at all. In the end here, with just the expansion and stuff, I don't expect the Pac-12 to make it to 2026. That's just me. We're going to look at the Wimbledon finals and also some baseball as well. We're just getting started on Sharp Money. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So, buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So, how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud, Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less, like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, Take a free test drive of OCI 
at oracle.com slash strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic. oracle.com slash strategic. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Want to get in on the fantasy action, but sick of managing your roster, sick of player injuries ending your season? With Best Ball on DraftKings, you get the best team of yours all season long. And this year, Best Ball on DraftKings is bigger than ever with $10 million in guaranteed cash prizes up for grabs. For a limited time, you can join DraftKings' largest best ball contest ever. You get your first entry back in DraftKings dollars as soon as the draft is finished. Act now before this offer expires. Make sure when you download the DraftKings app to start playing best ball, use the code SHARP. Enter DraftKings' Best Ball Contest Millionaire Contest today. And snake, your, snake draft your team for the season. Each week, automatically rack up the points from your top scores. No ads, drops, trades, or I should have played them instead. Teams with the most points by the end of the season will have a shot to take home the million-dollar top prize. So go to DraftKings right now, sign up with the code SHARP, and start playing best ball today. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER, one per customer. Opt-in required $10 entry fee. Bonus issued is $10 DK dollars. Age and eligibility restrictions apply. Void were prohibited. DraftKings.com slash promotion for details. Happy to be with you. I'm Jeff Parles. I'm all Shaw. Wyatt Tomchek on Sharp Money. All right, I'm all. Let's go to tennis. You are the tennis expert of the three of us by a significant margin. And I'd, like, you said, I'd like to amend that statement, but I won't. But please continue. <laughs> Look at you with restraint. <laughs> um, let's go let's go to the men's final on Sunday first so you mentioned it a little bit in the, yeah. in the first segment I don't want you to uh, I want you to expand on the sure. thoughts here where again Novak's Novak Djokovic already the single best champion ever in majors on the men's side going for three for three looking to be one step away from a Novak slam with the U.S. Open coming up next month in Flushing Meadows Novak is minus 180 against Alcaraz here, plus 150 on the take back on Carlitos at DraftKings. Amal, you said four sets for Novak Djokovic. How does this end up playing out to get to your four-set prediction? I don't know. Maybe Carlos can steal a set. The reality of it is he won one set in the French Open on, on his best surface, in my opinion. Carlos is, that is, on clay. Uh, he lost the first set, won the second one 7-5, and then Novak just destroyed him 6-1 and 6-1. To me, when you look at it, Novak Djokovic, this is a guy that has now won uh, 34 straight matches at Wimbledon. His last loss at Wimbledon was on center court. I'm sorry, his last defeat on center court was in 2013 against Andy Murray in the final. This guy has been thoroughly dominant. Jeff, he is going now for, I mean, as I mentioned, 34 straight wins. And during that stretch... This guy has so thoroughly dominated. Only three times has he been pushed in those 34 matches to three sets. Once against uh, Yannick Sinner and then twice against Roger and Rafa, respectively. So those two combined. I, I just think Alcaraz is a great player, but I think it's a different beast when you go up against a guy like Novak. It, it's just hard to quantify. You look in this tournament so far, Novak has dropped two sets. Um, dropped one against Hercotch. No shame in that. And Rublev. And I think that's where he's got a possibility. He sweeps uh, center here. Dominates him 6-3, 6-4, He's just better than everybody else. You don't have to necessarily be a fan. I think there's a lot more Fed fans out there. But the reality is Novak Djokovic is the greatest player of all time. Amal, I just want to ask you about the era real quick. Mm -hmm. Because 
it's pretty amazing just looking at these the last 20 years in men's tennis. Yep. Where you end up with I think there's a legitimate argument to be made that the three best players in the history of men's tennis all played in the same era. I would I wouldn't say there's an argument to be made. I think it's factual. You think it's factual that yeah. it is the three of the just again just showing how insane these last 20 years have been. And look, Novak even though he's approaching 40 is not showing any signs of slowing down. We we don't expect to see Rafa again with the with the foot injury. We know Fed retired last year. But just how are we, the fact that we were able to have this era of tennis where the three best players in the sport all played at the same time. We're never going to see anything like this again. Well, think about this, and this is not 100% accurate math. Roger Federer wins Wimbledon in 2003. It's his first Grand Slam title. That's the only one he wins in 03. Take into consideration Wimbledon in 03, the second-to-last tournament of that calendar year, and then go fast-forward all the way through 2023. Uh, Roughly, you're covering 80 Grand Slams because I know Wimbledon was canceled in 21, or I'm sorry, in 2020. Uh, so when you look at that, right, yep. you, you've got a scenario where in, in reality, you're talking probably 80, 81 tournaments overall played between the three of these guys, they've won 65 of them. <laughs> I mean, just think about that for a second. They've won 65 of 81. I'm going to give you two quick tennis stats that are just mind boggling. Roger Federer at one time made 36 consecutive grand slam semifinals. So for nine straight years of every tournament, you just have to make the semis. And my, my favorite stat in tennis is Chris Everett made in her career 56 quarterfinals of the Grand Slams. So all you have to do is for 14 straight years, just make every quarterfinal. It's ridiculous. Isn't it? Well, and also, too, with this appearance in the final in, in Wimbledon for Djokovic, he's now appeared in the final of half of the tournaments in majors that he has played in now. That's insane. That is a sick stat. Which is just... And uh, we're going on close to 100 for for Djokovic. I mean, that is unbelievable. Look, the reality of it is if these two guys, whether it's Roger and Rafa and Rafa and Novak or Novak and Roger, if they didn't have to face the other guy, these guys would be at 30-plus grand slams. The reality is there aren't too many people that can beat these guys. They're just that much better. And the worst part is Andy Murray and Stan Wawrinka, who both have three grand slams each, they just have to be playing at the wrong time. Otherwise, they would have more Grand Slam tournament titles. See, I think if they were playing today, we'd look at Andy Murray and go, oh, we wind up with 10 or 12 titles right up there with Pete Sampras. Yeah, I, I mean, look, I think Rowinka more so than Murray personally because Stan just had a similar skill set to all these guys and never got hired in third in no. the rankings. Just no. and just the guy who legitimately four, four ti- three, three majors for Rowinka, a Wimbledon shy of the career slam. Uh he would have ended up with 13, 14 pretty easily if he played in a different era. I'm looking at Roger Federer from 2004 to 2009. He made, uh, he had, he got bounced out in three semifinals. Everything else, he was in the final or he won. <laughs> I mean, he had six finals appearances and in that stretch, he won uh, 15 grand slams. It's just ridiculous how dominant these guys are. Look, Carlos is a great player. I think it's going to be Novak on Sunday. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if Novak gets a, throw, a straight set sweep here because this is a better surface for him. He's more dominant. Novak's got a better serve. He, he's improved his serve even more so. He's the greatest returner of serve in the history of the sport. Roger Federer had two match championship points against Novak in 2019 at 40-15 on serve. And Novak still found a way through to win that game break and then win in a tiebreaker in the fifth set. By the way, uh, Djokovic with this appearance in a final 35 of 70. Now, 35 of 70 uh, majors played and it's made the final. On the women's side, we talked about this a little bit yesterday. Anz Jabor Mm -hmm. in the final, taking on Marketa Vondrasova. Vondrasova unranked, but has had success in the past in majors, uh, making it to a final in in Paris a few years ago, Maul. Uh, minus 210 on Jabor, plus 175 on a take back of Andrasova. Uh, this does feel like it's Jabor's time to finally bust through and win that elusive major. She has not won yet. Completely agree with you. A couple of revenge opportunities for uh, here for Jabor as she lost to Vondrasova twice this year. Uh, last, they played at Indian Wells back on March 13th. Uh, Vondrasova won that one 7-6-6-4. And then at the Australian Open, it was uh, Vondrasova in the second round, or excuse me, uh, third round, 
beating Jabour 6-1-5-7-6-1. So an opportunity for sure here uh, for Jabour. I just feel like last year was unfinished business. Wins the first set against Rybakina, uh, doesn't close it out. I think this is a better matchup for her on this surface. I think the crowd will be behind her. I think she wins this one. You know, not a bad play to me if you want to go ahead and parlay both of them on Saturday and Sunday. You know, again, in the end, the mall, this is on the men's side going back there because you said you bet you bet Djokovic after he won Roland Garros three to one to win the slam. Correct. Correct. He's going to be about minus. He's going to be minus money in the U.S. Open by the time it flips around. I don't think so. He's, he's plus, plus one ten right now. Is that he's come down to one ten? Okay, 110. I saw one sixty earlier in the week. Yeah. I didn't realize they'd come down that much. The reason why I say that is on the hard court. I think anybody can because of the serve. It's such a great equalizer. But again. Nobody can rally like Novak. He could just sit there all day. You know, you know, if you were a young athlete, well, regardless of sport, the one thing I think you should take away from a guy like Novak Djokovic or Rafael Nadal, get yourself, forget the talent, just get yourself in a fitness level where you can compete with anybody in the world. These guys can sit there in Australia and they played five plus hour matches. I mean, Carlos Alcaraz, we saw him wilt in the pressure and just the fatigue against a guy like Novak. Again, uh, Novak Djokovic going for three out of three in majors this year. What was the last men's Grand Slam? Rod, Rod Laver, I think, in '68. So we're going, yeah. we're going almost. Rod, we're going Roger o- never did the four in a row. No, because he could never win on clay. That's Roger right, yeah, because Rafa. Yeah, because Rafa, he only won in 2009 when Robin Soderling took out. By the way, you want to see the craziest stat in sports? Just look up Rafael uh, Nadal's record at the French Open. <laughs> It is the most insane thing I've ever seen. Yes, that's that's another one as well. But again, uh, Rod Laver, as as you said, that is correct. The last one to win uh, to win the Grand Slam in the same year, 1969. Oh, 69. Okay, so he did it in 62 and 69. By the way, Rafa's record at Roland Garros: 112 and three. Pretty good. <laughs> Robbie Callan of Uprocks going to join us to talk some NBA next. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. It's always football season here at VSIN, which is why we've already released our NFL betting guide. And our NFL betting guide will help you get ahead of the upcoming NFL season with in depth profiles of every team, including advanced stats, proven betting systems, and proprietary betting trends. Plus, best bets on season win totals, futures, and props. Become a Visa Pro subscriber today for as low as $19 and get your digital copy of the VSIN NFL betting guide today. Or take advantage of our summer kickoff special and get access to everything we do through the Super Bowl for only $175. Sign up now, vsin.com slash subscribe. Welcome back in. It is Sharp Money. I'm Jeff Parles of All Show. Wyatt Tom Check here. And now joining us, senior writer over at Uprock Sports. You can get him on a tweet. It's at our calendar. It's our guy, Robbie Calland with us right now. Robbie, how you doing today? Glad to be here, Jeff. I'm good, man. How are you? Good, good. It's good to have you on. And, uh, you know, Robbie, I, I just want to go some NBA generalities here as we're now past the, the, obviously the early wave of free agency, but the two big dominoes still have not fallen here. James Harden, who's requested out of Philadelphia, Damian Lillard, who requested out of Portland. So I'll ask you this, Robbie, before we get to where you think those guys will go. Which domino do you think will happen first, Harden or Lillard? I think I think Dame has to happen first because I think to make the Clippers move, I think that also is going to end up being like a three-team deal. Um, I think there's there, that's probably what part of the hangup is, is how to get some more assets that can go uh, maybe to LA in order to get a Terrence man or somebody that, that Philly is trying to get um, and redirect some money. The only way to do that is to get involved with the same teams that are trying to become the third team in the heat, uh, the heat package for Damian Lillard. So I think they're just, they just have to wait. Like Philly just has to wait. Um, and also I think Philly is willing to try to drag this out as long as possible because, you know, there are reports now that they would like to try and mend some fences this year and maybe even start the season with James Harden or take this into to September or into camp. Uh, so I think Damian Lillard is the one that happens first, just because all the teams that would be third teams, uh, in a Harden trade are going to first want to see what they can get out of the Dame trade, whether that's adding Tyler hero or, or, or whatever it is to, to shuffle around picks uh, and get Portland better draft assets uh, out of this deal. 
Right, we got a kind of a few questions here in reference to Dame. First of all, if you're Portland, don't you have to wait for the best possible deal that comes in for you? And then the second thing is you're probably not going to get dollar for dollar what you deserve on Damian Lillard, but does a player like Tyler Hero intrigue you or what kind of draft capital are you looking for if you're Cronin and company there in Portland? Yeah, it's really interesting. So I, I think you absolutely wait for the right deal. I know Dame has made very clear he wants to go to Miami, but I think if you're Portland, you have to to see if something else is out there. You have to see if Toronto's willing to put the package out there that maybe has OG and Anobi and some picks. You have to see if a team like New Orleans or Utah or one of these teams that has a ton of draft picks gets in the mix. And I think that the thing about the draft picks for Portland is they don't want draft picks in 2030. Okay. That's not when they want to keep adding young guys, right? Like they don't want these 2029, 2030 picks. Cause then you're just in the same position again with scoot Henderson. Okay. You want to be adding guys in the next three drafts before scoots extension eligible to start to build that young core. And that is the biggest trick with this Miami deal is they can't send out those assets. They can only send out the way in advance ones. Uh, and so that's, what's holding this up. I don't think Tyler hero makes a lot of sense for what Portland has. Uh, you have scoot, you have shade on and you have Anthony Simons. I think those three can work together as a young core in the backcourt, but you don't add another backcourt guy to that, which is why I think a deal that involves some of these other teams that maybe have front court guys, uh, would be more intriguing. And I think that's why they're having such a hangup is finding a team that could be reroute hero, whether that's San Antonio, whether that's, you know, one of these other places that have some picks that might, Brooklyn that have picks that see him as more valuable. Uh, I don't think you want another guy who wants the ball in his hands as much as Tyler Hero does. If you're Portland and you're trying to build around scoot and shade on and, and maybe even Anthony, although he could also be on the block. Jeff, I got to tell you, Robbie just said the best thing I've heard the whole time about this Damian Lillard trade, which is the rookie deal and the scope of time you have with uh, right now with Scoot Henderson and, of course, Shaden Sharp. I have not heard anybody else mention this, and we talk about this in the NFL constantly, guys, with p- players being on a rookie deal. Joe Burrow and Chase, Jamar Chase are the first two that come to mind. I thought that was an excellent point. Well, and then, Robbie, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll bring it this way because, look, San Antonio is a war chest of assets. They have a war chest mm-hmm. of draft picks. Uh, obviously Victor's there now. I know on the surface it seems, well, they may not be ready to win for two, three years, but if you're Dame and San Antonio's like, you know, we want to take the crack at this. We get a guy who we think could be like Tim Duncan was when he was drafted. And of course, David Robinson was there, was already on his way to the Hall of Fame. Trade for a Hall of Fame guy in Dame Lillard. I mean, there are worse options for that type of deal than what San Antonio could offer for Damian Lillard in Portland. Yeah, I think absolutely. And it it depends again, it it, it all comes down to what is leaving. You know, I don't think, I think what Dame is worried about is a Carmelo Anthony situation where he pushed his way to New York and New York gave up everything that they had to get him. And I think that's the appeal of Miami is like Miami's not making this deal, including Bam Adebayo or Jimmy Butler. So you at least go to a place that's going to have three stars that fit really well together. So I understand why Dame wants to be there and wants that to be the deal. I also understand why Portland doesn't want what Miami has to offer. So I'm with you. I think San Antonio could be really interesting, uh, but Dame would have to be really sold on women. Yama being a guy in two years. That is a top 15 guy in the league, right? Like you have to be pretty sold that he's going to be uh, all NBA caliber by his third year, second year in the league. Um, and so that, that it's really interesting because they do have a lot of, they have the wings that I think Portland would be interested in. Like if you included Jerry, so on, if you included, uh, you know, maybe even a Kel, I think you try to hold on to Devin Vassell and maybe Kelvin Johnson go out, but like you, they have the wings that kind of fit maybe a touch better. Um, particularly so on, I think could be a really interesting piece for, for Portland. Um, so it, it could work with, you know, and they can send a ton of picks and the, like, like we mentioned the immediate picks. Um, but you know, they also would need to have a plan in place to add some more veterans very quickly. Like next summer, they would have to have a plan in place to add some wing, uh, wing vets to, to kind of fill that, that, that all in. Robbie, let's switch gears a little bit. Let's go towards the regular season. Give me a couple of teams that intrigue you from both conferences or somebody you thought did a great job in free agency or re-signings. Just kind of where you come out on some of the things as we look towards 
Yeah, it was a really interesting summer in that, you know, we didn't see a lot of big player movement in free agency. It was a ton of guys re-signing. Um, so I think the teams that did well were, you know, Phoenix, I think did well on the vet minimum market. They, they were obviously the team that every, every guy in that level said, that's the place I'm going to have the best opportunity. I think golden state struck out on some guys. LA did pretty well. Uh, they had a little more money to spend, but you know, uh, Denver's kind of struck out on some guys. Um, and so I think Phoenix is the team that of those contenders, I think positioned themselves the best. Cause I mean, they were talking about working out like Jabari Parker and Stanley Johnson. And we were like, who are they going to fill this roster out with? And then they immediately made seven deals with like legit NBA guys. Uh, so I think they did a, a very solid job. I still don't know about backup bigs there, but that's a question for them to figure out. Um, I like what, you know, I mean, like uh, in the East is especially weird because I don't think anybody did particularly well. I like Dante DiVincenzo for the, for the Knicks. I think, you know, in the immediate, that's an upgrade on Obi Toppin in terms of what left and what came in. So I think they did a decent job, uh, there, but pretty much everybody else in the East until we get a, a, a move here for, if the heat can get Dame, everybody kind of tread water, you know, Milwaukee did what they had to do in bringing back guys, but they also lost a couple contributors in Javon Carter. Um, and, and, and others. And so I don't think anybody in the East positioned themselves to really make a, make a big run. I think in the West, I like what Phoenix did, you know, Dario Saric makes some sense for, for golden state. Chris Paul makes sense. I think they did a good job of kind of reestablishing. This is the window. And then, uh, the Lakers have done solid. I think the teams that took a step back Denver minorly, um, I'm still not sure what Utah's plan is. I don't know what OKC is doing. They didn't really try to take a step forward. Uh, other than Chet comes in and he's intriguing. Uh, and then the Clippers obviously are waiting on the James Harden thing. If they don't get that done, the Clippers took a step. Robbie, we have about a minute to go here. What are your thoughts on this in-season tournament that's going to be coming into play this year? Look, I mean, like, I think it is interesting. I think from a betting standpoint, it makes things a little exciting. It gives us something to kind of focus on that first half of the year when you're just kind of grinding regular season games. I, I, I don't think it's a big deal right now. Uh, either way, I hope that it can make some of these early regular season games a little more, uh, have a little more stakes and have guys take, take a little more effort into them. Uh, we'll see if that happens, but I do, I, I don't think there's anything to be upset about. Like I've seen people be like, Oh, this is ridiculous. And it's like, what, what are you mad about? They didn't, they added two games. Uh, so like, I don't know what, what the anger is, but I, I think it'll be interesting. I'm interested to see, what it looks like and how teams, you know, what teams take it seriously because it's an opportunity for non-title contenders to maybe play for something. He's Robbie Callen. Again, find his work over at Uproxx on the tweets at our Callen. Robbie, always a pleasure. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank you. We are heading to Western New York next. Buffalo Bills talk here on Sharp Money. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, Shoot that, shoot that! And even, Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other. As Infinity presents... A new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break 
and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Download the DraftKings app today. New customers can bet $5 and get $150 in bonus instantly. Use the promo code VSIN when you sign up. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for full terms and conditions. Welcome back in. It is Sharp Money. I'm Jeff Parles. Amal Shaw's here. Why Tom checks here as well. So we haven't talked any NFL so far today, so we're going to change that right now. So Amal, this has been a common theme this week of just going through divisions and, and all sorts of things, but we're not going to go to the AFC East where you said earlier in the week, you believe it's the best division of football. I think it's the second best division of football where the AFC North top to bottom is stronger than the East top to bottom because Pittsburgh and Cleveland to me are much better than what new England is. And I think new England has the potential to be six win bad five win bad even. I'm not going to die on this hill. I'm not really that like attached to either division. division. Yeah. Sure. But I was just thinking about it. I give a slight edge to Cincinnati over Buffalo. Yes. Um, I give a slight edge to Baltimore over the second place team in the East, but then I would put the second and third, uh, the, the, the third and fourth th- over uh, the others. Yes. I think the jets and Miami are both going to be better than Baltimore. So I understand on the, I, cause I, I don't, I just I think you're underestimating the Ravens. I just don't trust Lamar to play all season. That's just what it comes down to at this point. I don't think he can get through a whole season without missing four or five games, but we'll see. The Ravens are improved weapon-wise, but that's a different discussion for a different time because this is on the Buffalo Bills where Amal, I said this earlier in the week, and I'm standing by this. The market is treating Buffalo like the market should treat the Bengals, and the Bengals are treated the way that Buffalo should be treated, Mm -hmm. where I think we're now – look. Buffalo's in the AFC title game in 2020. They right. should have been in the Super Bowl in 2021. Let's face it. They should have yeah, been squib, there. Squib kick in there. there. The squib kick in there, and they're in, they're in the Super Bowl. Last year, they get pummeled at home by Cincinnati in the playoffs. But Amal, this has been a very weird offseason for the Bills, where Stephon Diggs is clearly unhappy. Right. Where Josh Allen even publicly made it out to be that this could be a problem for them with what's going on with Diggs. Uh, they fired Leslie Frazier. So Sean McDermott's taking on more responsibility and calling the defense, taking away from his head coaching responsibilities a little bit. Uh, Ken Dorsey's not Brian Dable. We learned that last year. I don't think that's even up for debate anymore. And I'm all look, could this be like in the cyclical things in the NFL where it feels like, all right, the window may have closed and Buffalo snaps back up and all of a sudden, well, they're the one seed and, the, the road to the Super Bowl goes through the Ralph. Yeah, it's in play. But I don't see that happening. Because the way that Buffalo's schedule breaks down them all, where I know there are gonna there are a lot of question marks for some about the Jets. The one thing the Jets did in the two matchups with Buffalo last year is they confused the living daylights out of Josh Allen both games. It was the two lowest scoring games Buffalo had in the regular season last year were the two matchups against the Jets. Allen turned it over multiple times in the first game, including one horrible red zone pick early in the game that really set the tone for what that game was going to be and also led to a Jet touchdown, a pick in the second half. And then Quinn and Williams gets hurt, and that was the only reason Buffalo was able to move the ball in the second game against the Jets. They had no points for the first 28 minutes. Against New York, Williams gets hurt around the two-minute warning in the first half, and then Buffalo ends up winning the game by a touchdown. This, Amal, feels like that, again, and we may learn early because those are three games Buffalo's favored. They're going to be favored the first month of the season plus. But I don't see this team being a top-end contender, and they are more likely to miss the postseason altogether than be in the AFC title game. I, ooh. I don't think they're going to miss the playoffs. I still think they're a pretty good football team. Remember, they lose. Who's the kid who went to Chicago? Linebacker. Uh, Tremaine Edmonds. Edmonds is yeah. gone, yes. Like him a lot. He He's a top-notch player. I'm not worried about the Diggs 
situation right now, that's not a concern for me. But who's the second guy that emerges for this team? That's what the big problem is. They don't have that consistent second receiver. I think Stephon Diggs is tremendous. Uh, Loss to Devin Singletary is not that big of a deal. They do bring in uh, Latavius Murray. Murray. I don't even know why. I just said that because I always liked him when he was good like seven years ago. Well, they have a really, they have a big time mishmash in that running back room now yeah. where Cook's going to be the lead guy. But if Murray and Harris, who I both think are two guys on the wrong side sides of their careers at this point. Well, how do you like the, the draft of Dalton Kincaid? Who I thought was probably the best tight end Weird coming out pick. of college. They don't need that. He's the same guy. Wait, 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 what did you just say? I thought it was his game against USC. He had the first game. I mean, fabulous. I know he's a Las Vegas kid, so I'm hyping him up. But I already he, knew that. That's why I was waiting for him to he, come. He, he, <laughs> I, I would have been very happy if the Green Bay Packers drafted him, but I was really impressed with Dalton Kincaid's It's a game. weird pick because he's the same guy as Dawson Knox in the NFL well, to me. I, I think Kincaid's a better player than that, but I, I can appreciate what you're saying. Um, I think he's going to be good in the passing game. I think he can be very effective, but again, he's a rookie. How much do you want to put on a rookie in this situation? The one thing that with Buffalo that is, during this run of becoming a legitimate Super Bowl contender, at least to most of them all, has been they have beaten the living bejesus out of bad teams in this run. Go ahead. They, they have one. They usually have one game a year against a bad team that makes no sense. I eat a 2021 game against Jacksonville that they lost nine, six, which is still the most befuddling result in the league in the last five years. But at some point, the ability to bully the bad teams is not going to be there anymore. Right. And part of the reason that they were able to bully the teams was I, look, maybe I'm giving Brian Dable too much credit, but you watched Daniel Jones, pre Brian Dable, mm-hmm. Amal. He was a mediocre quarterback at best, and he was squarely, squarely in the middle of the league as opposed to the bottom third of the league last year, which is a pretty market improvement for a guy. I mean, look, the Giants paid him a ton of money because of what they believe in him now with the right guy coaching him. I so wish when you made that comment right now you were a Giants fan instead of a Jets fan. And I'm not, so don't worry (laughs) about that. But, But I'm all, when this is all said and done for Buffalo, this really feels like the year where you are not going to be able to bully teams in a regular season like you have, because the one thing that Dable was able to do was he was able to get Josh Allen to positions where he wasn't turning the ball over. And by the second half of last year, Ken Dorsey was unable to do that. Really. It was that Sunday night game against the Packers where yes, Buffalo won the game. Green Bay got a really nice cover in that game that they had no business covering, but that was the moment where it's like, okay, the Josh Allen that was great, that was never turning the ball over, that we saw for about equivalent to a season, domination from the last month of that of the 2021 season to that point in the 2022 season. That guy's not there anymore. And yes, Josh Allen can do things that no one else can do in this league. He is a gazelle with his legs. He is the strongest arm in the league. But if you get a guy who's turning the ball over like he did the second half of the season, and that's the guy I think he is now, where you get it's boom or bust, you're going to be seeing a lot more turnovers, and that's going to keep Buffalo from being this juggernaut that just slaughtered bad teams like they did during the run when they were a legitimate top three team in the league. Yeah, I look. Where do you rank them overall, though? Where do I have them overall? Yeah, just I mean, you don't have to spend too much. Cleveland, time or excuse me, uh, not Cleveland. Uh, Kansas City is better than them. Cincinnati. Cincinnati is better than them, so- and then. Look, I will I will catch flack for this. I think Jacksonville is better than them. And Jacksonville gets them in London in week five, and Jacksonville will beat them in week five. Why why didn't you tell me I was gonna be working with someone who's delusional? I'm gonna <laughs> say Jacksonville's about so, two years away from, from being th- better than Buffalo. Here, here's I'm not th- saying they can't be better, but at this point in time I wouldn't put them ahead. I look for me and and if we're going off of end of season record, Amal, mm-hmm. Jacksonville's schedule's way easier than Buffalo as well. Well, also, you get six games in the division, right? right. You get to play Indianapolis, and, Tennessee, and, and uh, who else in there? Houston. Houston. Yeah. And, and, and as I've said, with, with Jacksonville, and we looked at Jacksonville's schedule, and I, I actually think the best Jacksonville-related bet is to bet them to get the number one seed them all. Mm-hmm. Not, not to get through the playoffs, but to just get the one seed. Because they play Kansas City at home. They play Cincinnati at home. Yeah. They play Baltimore at home. They play San Francisco at home. And they play Buffalo and London. So the five best teams they play – this season, Jacksonville gets at home or in London, which is essentially a home game for them. 
Yeah, no, they're in great shape. The schedule works out well. I'm not saying they can't have a better year than Buffalo. I still think Buffalo's a better team. Josh Allen's a better quarterback than Trevor Lawrence. At the moment. No, it's fair. I, yeah. I, look, no, 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 I'm not sitting there drawing a line in the sand here and acting like Buffalo's, you know, the 90s Bills when they were going to Super Bowls. But I, I still think you have to give them credit for what they've been able to accomplish. And one thing we know, if you've got to go to Orchard Park, and unless it's Joe Burrow, not an easy place to play in January. Well, the one concern also, Buffalo's built like a dome team. The way that offense is built, they are built like a dumb offense. I'll just say this. I wouldn't bet the Bills at plus 120 to win this division. I would not either. The fact that they are shorter than Cincinnati to win, Cincinnati is to win the North is crazy to me. I don't even understand that. The Bengals, to me, should be almost a minus favorite. It's a, look, the Browns could be good, but I think the Ravens are a good team. I think Cincinnati's just slightly better, and I think this is the year the Bengals take the step. We're heading to baseball next. The second half underway. A few fun props over the DraftKings Sportsbook that we'll look at here on Sharp Money. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. 